Good morning, CLC. We're here to celebrate the fourth Sunday of Advent. And today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Good morning, church. Can you believe it? We're only seven days away from Christmas. It's kind of exciting for me to to know that because it it really doesn't feel like Christmas for me, at least in my household, until I go into storage, pull out the Christmas tree, and put it up in the in the living room. So for me, I carved out some time this weekend to finally be able to do that because that task in my family is left up to me. So I finally got the tree up. So I'm glad and happy that I was able to do that. So now it starts to feel like Christmas. So Merry Christmas. December for many of us is our favorite time of year because we get to celebrate it with all of our families, our friends and our co-workers. There's so many parties. There's always good food. It's this time of year that we can drink and be merry. But the holidays can also be for some of us a very difficult season. For us, the church, this is Advent. And that's a term I venture to guess is not used anywhere outside of the church. And if someone asks you this question, what's Advent? I pose that question to you. Would you be able to answer that person? Well, let me help us out. It's a season where Christians all over the world are preparing for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do we prepare for the celebration of the birth of Jesus, which we call Christmas Day, We also are preparing for his second coming, which will be in full splendor and glory. A contrast to his humble beginning as a baby in the manger on Christmas Day. 
in our message series, Joy to the World, we have been looking at attributes of Jesus as seen through the eyes of people in the Christmas story. Previously, um, Pastor Eric spoke on Jesus as the Messiah and then Jesus as King. And today, my task is to present to you Jesus as Savior. And to help us, I want to give a perspective of a Savior through the eyes of the shepherds. Now, the first question I have here for all of you to think about, do you ever think about needing a Savior in your daily routines and lifestyles? As you get up in the morning, do you ask yourself, who's my Savior today? The American celebration of individualism and self-sufficiency and maybe even our pride, I believe, works against the need for a Savior. Honestly, we really don't think about that question of needing a Savior. Um, a few weeks ago, I asked a staff if they could recall a person, of course, excluding God, who actually saved their life. And at that moment, no one could come up with an answer. So what about you? If we can't recall having any experience of someone saving our life, then we really can't relate or appreciate the value of a Savior. We don't know what we don't experience, right? And I surmise this can undermine how we think about needing Jesus as a Savior. During Advent, we've been encouraging one another to be grateful for the blessings in our lives because being thankful in all circumstances helps us to experience more joy. On the first Sunday of Advent, it was the Sunday right after Thanksgiving, and if you recall, if you were here, we had all of you break up into small groups and to share into small groups what you were thankful for. And a very popular answer for most of you is family. And that is true for me, too. I have two great kids, and more importantly, I've been blessed with a wonderful wife. To be honest, I definitely married up. <laughs> I, I couldn't ask for a better partner in life and ministry, and she has been, time over time, been my lifesaver. And I do mean that literally. Several months ago, Terry and I were walking together, of course, to check out a new restaurant. And sadly, my balance these days is not the same. I'm not young anymore. And the uneven pavement suddenly caused me to trip. And since it was on a downward slope, I was stumbling forward as if I was shot out of a cannon. In the in a midst of a panic attack, I knew I had to stop my fall somehow. And the closest thing to me was Terry. <laughs> who was a few steps ahead of me. Otherwise, I would have likely crashed headfirst onto the concrete, and we all know those stories of people we know who hit their head on the concrete and they just die. And that could have been me. My wife, who uh, seemed to sense I was in trouble, turned around to check on me at that moment. Like in the movies, when it goes in slow motion, our eyes met, and Terry instantly knew what I was about to do. <laughs> Falling forward, she caught me to break my fall, and I am so thankful. I have a very strong wife. <laughs> she was my savior in that moment. 
I mean, she could have played matador with me, right? She could have just went <laughs> and let me fall to the ground. But thankfully, she did not. So I repeat this question. Have you ever needed a savior? Someone to bail you out of a jam or a difficult situation? Well, Jesus can do that for us if we let him. For he comes to be our lifesaver. Like, like me... This, tu- this truth is very simple and clear, that Jesus is the Savior. But do you really see Jesus as a Savior? In our modern minds and science-based knowledge, I would guess many of us really don't connect with the term Savior. We just don't talk about it. It's not in our common daily language. And our passage today is from Luke 2 which you just heard read earlier, where the lowly nobody shepherds were visited by an angel who told them good news. And we see in verse 10, it says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And from that passage in Luke 2, I want to share several things about Jesus as our Savior. And using the context of the shepherds to help us better understand the good news that is for all people. And that's you and me. First, Jesus came to offer us salvation. And we see this in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Here in verse 11, the angel refers to a savior being born in the town of David, which is Bethlehem. And the angel referred to the baby born as the Messiah. So who is the Messiah? If you recall, Pastor Eric in the first message of our series told us that the Messiah is Jesus. So if Jesus is the Messiah, he is then, according to this verse in Luke 11, he is also the Savior. So why would this be good news for the shepherds, that a Savior is born to them? Well, to answer this question, we have to understand what kind of life the lowly shepherds had back then. Shepherding was hard work. It required 24-7 tending of the sheep. Whether on hot or cold days or nights, there were no days off because sheep need constant care and protection. The job by nature is outdoors, which makes you dirty and dusty. And if sheep smells, which they do, then you, the shepherd, smelled too. And this was not your safe nine-to-five desk job. There was often danger and job hazards being a shepherd. You had to protect the flock from bad people like poachers and hungry predators like bears and lions, which were common back then in the Middle East. In that society, rich, powerful people were not shepherds. If they own sheep, they just outsource to other people to do this thankless job. Shepherding was left to the poor, uneducated, low-class people. And into this context, the angel delivered God's message that gave great hope to the lowly shepherds for a better life, now and forever. 
that Jesus was their savior and would rescue them from their earthly plight, but probably not in a way they had imagined. For many of us here today, we have never really experienced the need for a sovereign power to save us from tyranny. I mean, we are hearing the news of what's happening in the Ukraine, where Russia is occupying certain parts of their country. I would imagine they would feel like they would need someone to save them. But this concept of a savior was not foreign to people back then, especially for the Jewish people who were, as a nation, very small, very weak, if not without God's favor. The Israelites over the centuries were conquered by other powerful nations. The kings and Caesars of that day would call themselves the savior of the people when they conquered them. They saved them by protecting them from future other conquerors, saying they would provide for them and that they would govern them. Now, at that time, the shepherds were under the occupying rule of the Roman Empire, who, if Caesar was supposed to be their savior, it sure did not feel like it to them by how the Romans treated them. Hearing the news of a savior, a savior the Jewish prophets had predicted for centuries would indeed be good news to the lowly shepherds. Of course, the shepherds wanted to be rescued from their lowly earthly plight. But catch this, Jesus came to save them from their broken relationship with God. During Advent, we uh, traditionally sing Christmas songs, which we, which we did earlier. And we also sing hymns. Now, though I like contemporary praise songs, I do appreciate the classic hymns because they tend to include solid doctrine and theology. This Advent, we've been emphasizing particular Christmas hymns each week. And this week, we chose Hark the Herald Angels Sing which is based on our passage from Luke 2. Specifically, we see this in verses 13 to 14 about a host of angels declaring God's glory. And from this hymn, we see in the last stanza these lyrics. Born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them a second birth. Second birth means rebirth. In our Christian faith, rebirth brings salvation, which happens to be in the translation of Jesus' name. Jesus in Greek translates, the Lord is salvation. Salvation is defined as being saved from sin and its consequences, which do include death and separation from God. Salvation leads ultimately to eternal life, and that was part of God the Father's purpose of having Jesus born on earth. Why? Why do you, I ask? Because God loves you. Many of us do not come from families where the words, I love you, are verbally spoken very often, if at all. Earlier, I mentioned that I married up, and what caught my attention with Terry when we were dating was how she freely expressed those three words to me. All the time, after a phone conversation, she would end our conversations with, I love you. And after 34 years of marriage, she does. 
And she continued to do the same with our two kids. Every day she would tell them, I love you. And you know, kids, especially when they get into that teenager years, after a while, they would roll their eyes every time Terry would say, I love you. And they would be thinking, I know, I know. Well, I tell this story because I think we do the same to God. In God's word, he tells us repeatedly he loves us. And we roll our eyes and think, I know, I know. But do we really? John 3.16 has become so familiar that it has become a Christian cliché. But that still does not negate the fact that God still loves you. And sometimes we just need to hear it over and over again to remind ourselves of his love, just like Terry did with me and our kids. John 3.16 promises, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. To believe is more than head knowledge, of course. But to love him so much that you will allow Jesus to transform you into his likeness, to be Christ-like. And there's a term for that. The Bible calls it a disciple. Jesus wants to make us his disciples. That is why my second point is this. Jesus lives among us in the here and now. And we see this in verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is significant. Jesus is not a distant God, but he knows us intimately. He is both God and man. Coming to live among us, he came as a human baby, flesh and bones like us. From the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, in the second stanza, we see these lyrics which say the same thing. Hail, the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Jesus is described in this hymn as the incarnate deity. Incarnation means Jesus came to earth from heaven to be with us. Not an abstract God, but real and up close. Jesus came to show us, teach us, model to us what it means to live a new way because we have been reborn. Further in the second stanza, Jesus is also called Emmanuel. This name is found only four times in the Bible, three times in Isaiah and one time in Matthew. Emmanuel in Greek means God with us. Jesus is with us. And I want to pause here for a moment and ask this challenging question for all of you to think about. Do you really believe this? Do you trust in this truth that God is with you in the here and now and will never leave you? Even if you are like having a difficult time, like I said earlier, the holidays can be very hard on some of us. Some of us have lost a dear loved one recently. Or your relationships are broken and riddled with tension and conflict. Financially, you are underwater or you're just out of work. Or maybe you're struggling with depression and anxiety. Your health or an elderly parent's is deteriorating. 
you feel so far away from God. And even maybe, heaven forbid, there is no God. I want to assure you, he is with us and he will not abandon you. Especially when we are going through trials and tribulations. If we remember to turn towards Jesus in those desperate times, we will find him. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Earlier this year, um, a good friend of mine had a major health setback that triggered both a mental and spiritual breakdown. Uh, he reached out to me and others to pray for him and also sought counsel because in some ways he had neglected God in his spiritual life for a while. The setback caused him to doubt his faith and was suffering so much he even questioned the desire to live. And once a very successful, confident person, he quickly was a shell of himself. With treatment, professional counseling, my friend, after five months, has recovered and has peace again. My friend learned something from his ordeal that was more precious than any of his earthly treasures that he had been blessed with. He's thankful for all the friends who lifted him up to God in the name of Jesus to heal him. But more importantly, he was grateful that God saved him and had not abandoned him as he had thought. Only when my friend was walking in the shadow of the valley of death did he realize God was with him. We have a precious treasure in Jesus who is our Savior, and he lives among us in the here and now. And finally, my last point from this passage in Luke, Jesus brings reconciliation with God that gives us peace. And that's verse 14. We see this. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So apparently, if you have God's favor, there will be peace on earth for you. And in the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, the first stanza also mentions clearly how this peace happens. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. To be reconciled to God results in wholeness and completeness. To be not two parts, but one. And when there is oneness or unity, there is peace. And like when the two countries are at war and reconcile, then they will have peace. The word peace in Hebrew is shalom. So many of us have heard that. It's often a, a Jewish greeting to say shalom to one another. It's wishing the blessing of peace. The word peace in Greek is irene, which is the root for the name Irene, which means one, rest, quietness. Out of, quiet, uh, out of curiosity, um, does this definition fit the Irenes we know in our lives? Think about that. So how does this reconciliation happen? Reconciliation with God comes through what Jesus did on the cross. He was born as a man to be like us, so he could be our substitute to pay the ransom for our sins, which allowed God to forgive our sins and for us to return into his family. 
And that's what we celebrate when we remember Jesus through communion, which we will be doing later this morning together. So a question I want to pose to all of you. Do you want more peace in your life? And I share this often at memorial services that the one thing that most of us want is peace. And that is true now in the past and the future. So do you want more peace in your life? Will you have it in Jesus Christ? John 14, verse 27, Jesus promises us this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I started my message today by asking a question. Do you really believe you need a savior? And in particular, do you see Jesus as your savior? Ideally, we'd realize this every day that we would say, yeah, I do need Jesus. But usually we realize this truth only when we are in deep trouble like my friend was. We prefer to go on life doing things our own way, not God's way. And when we don't give our attention to Jesus, we suffer consequences that may not be reversible and make us suffer having little peace. I know this may cheapen the relationship we have with Jesus, and maybe this illustration will help you understand the benefits of having Jesus as your Savior. I've been traveling a lot lately, like the last two Sundays. And when I travel, often I need to rent a car. And I usually carry my American Express card, which, when I pay for my rental car, offers the added benefit of car insurance coverage for a nominal fee. It's something one of our members of our congregation recommended me to do. And, then on, and that coverage helps because it goes on top of my usual car insurance. So if I get into an accident, American Express will pay first. So hopefully avoiding incurring a raise in my car insurance premium. Like the American Express commercial says, never leave home without it. Like the American Express card, we should have Jesus with us always. Jesus is our Savior. Don't live life without Him. Again, Jesus is our Savior. Don't live life without Him. Salvation through Jesus has perks on earth too. We don't have to wait to get benefits until we get into heaven. If Jesus is our Savior, we can have Him with us always. And when He is with us daily, we can experience peace that he gives now. Uh, this week in our staff meeting, uh, the pastors were talking about a future sermon series, and one that we're talking about is about stewardship. And because we've purchased this new property, this church building, it's been a blessing to us, uh, a miracle from God, a gift from God, but it has truthfully kind of taxed our, our finances. Our coffers are kind of thin right now. So we got to, together as a church family, um, be part of the, the, the support of, of all the ministries here. And so part of that is to encourage you through, through um, a new sermon series in the new year. But to my point in this message 
It was as if Jesus was sitting there in our conversation and hearing us. Because as I was listening to, to my colleagues as we're talking about stewardship, uh, Lynn happened to text me a message. And it was a message from one of our former pastors who recently retired and said, um, we're not really connected with any church right now. So until we do, I'm sending my tithe to CLC. In that moment, there was an amazing God sighting that Jesus was sitting among us, hearing our unrest about our finances. And he tells us, I got you. And he sends us that message from our former pastor. Another story I heard this week that I want to illustrate the peace that we have when we have Jesus comes from Laura Fries Hole, who gave me permission to share this story. And it was a post that she had put on social media. The Grandma of the Year Award goes to Anne Gerhardt Fries. She was taking Olivia to a gymboree class when they got trapped in an elevator for two hours. Thankfully, they were stuck with a mom from South Korea who was also a Christian and very calm, plus her toddler son who got along well with Olivia. On the outside, it was so excruciating for me to watch firefighters and elevator techs by, try pretty much every option without success. One firefighter said it was the trickiest elevator rescue in his 20 years on the job. Praise God, though, they were finally able to get in through the top of the elevator to pry the door open from the inside. It was the best feeling on earth to hear everyone's cheering and see Olivia's sweet, bewildered little face, and her reward was getting to sit in a fire truck. So shout out to my mom, who was the capable, serene crisis communicator throughout it all. The El Cerrito and Kensington fire departments and those of you called on to pray. That's an amazing story and a God sighting. Laura's mom, as a Christian, in the midst of danger and turmoil, had tremendous peace on earth. And I'm sure this was comforting to little Olivia, who was wondering what was all the excitement about. And we are thankful and praise God that nothing bad had happened. And, and here actually is kind of the cherry on top and a side note about the amazing peace in that elevator at that time. Even with this disaster drill going on, Laura's mom still had the wherewithal, the awareness to get to know the other mom who is from South Korea and even extended to her an invitation to come visit our church. Isn't that amazing? That's what having peace can do for you, in the, even in the midst of tremendous chaos. This Advent season, take time to remember and be grateful for Jesus as your Savior. Not just for eternity, but now too, like the hymn tells us, peace on earth. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to walk among us 
and to show us how to love one another in a way that reflects your love for us. Your son Jesus came humbly as a baby and later went to the cross as a sacrifice for us. The world sees that as crazy, but we see it as the ultimate Savior. This Christmas, may we celebrate with grateful hearts the greatest gift we have in Jesus. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.